We do not endorse or oppose candidates or political parties. The League participates in issue advocacy and voter education. The advocacy arm of the League may take positions on issues such as a rise in ballot measures. This forum is presented by the education arm of the League, which does not take positions nor advocate for them. I'd like to remind everyone that the candidates have all agreed to participate under guidelines set for this forum. These guidelines are also posted outside the room, should you like to see them. As a matter of courtesy, please turn off all electronic devices. Please be aware that campaign literature or other forms of campaigning, such as buttons, T-shirts, and signs, are not permitted inside the forum room in order to maintain neutrality. We are videotaping tonight's forum and broadcasting it through KTOP Channel 10. Video will also be available on YouTube for the broader community to access. You can find links to our website, lwvoakland.org, or through votersedge.org slash California. We have three forums scheduled on the agenda tonight. The first will be for the position of Oakland City Council, District 3. There are two candidates running for this position. They are Lynette McElhaney and Noni Session. The second forum scheduled for this evening was to be for the position of Peralta Community College Board of Trustees, Area 6. There are two candidates running for that position. They are Nick Resnick and Karen Weinstein. Due to unforeseen circumstances, they are unable to attend this evening. Instead, I will read a statement prepared by each candidate. The third forum will be for the position of Oakland Unified School District Board, District 1. There are two candidates running for that position. They are Jody London and Don McClay. So let's go over a few ground rules. Each candidate has two minutes for opening statements. The order was determined by drawing lots. The timekeepers will signal, signal the candidates with colored signs marked 30 seconds and stop. As audience members arrive, our volunteers provide cards for submitting written questions. The questions will be screened to avoid duplication and personal attacks. The order of answering the questions will be alternated, and each candidate will have one and a half minutes to respond to, respond to each question. Again, timekeepers time will signal candidates. There will be no separate rebuttals. However, the candidates may choose to use some or all of their one and a half minutes to rebut the response given by another candidate. Following the questions, each candidate will have two minutes for closing statement. Okay, now let's begin with our first forum and our first candidate. Ms. Session, you will have two minutes for your opening statement. Greetings. My name is Noni Session, and I'm running for City Council District 3. I am a third-generation West Oaklander, I'm born and raised in District 3. Um, my father was raised in Cypress Village and Harbor Homes and was a small business owner. He owned Cypress Grocery, which is now Mandela Way. My mother was also a small business owner that we ran our business of a board and care home for developmentally disabled adults out of our home. In that, I have experienced a broad range of life in Oakland. Um, I've watched Oakland's landscape change vastly over the course of my life. 
when it was a small bonded community when I was very young, when it was suffering through the crack epidemic in my early youth, when it was a ghost town in my teenage years after large industry felled in our city and left us here to fend for ourselves. Um, I was educated across Oakland in the public schools. I was educated first in small black independent schools and then Prescott and then Claremont Junior High School and then McClyman's High School and then Oakland Tech and then Holy Names. And even as a single mother, I was able to go on to San Francisco State to major in black studies and anthropology. I taught in Richmond in an underprivileged school that is emblematic of the prison pipeline. And then I went on to Cornell University to do my doctoral work in anthropology. And then I spent two years in Nairobi as a government liaison for the United Nations Development Program. And I mentioned all that to say that we need someone in city council who can find bold solutions, who understands the constituency and has principles and ethics and courage to stand and make the hard decisions and make the fight that will bring us what we need as a, com- as a community as opposed to capitulating to developers and outside interests, we can set our own course in Oakland. Thank you. Thank you. Ms. McElhaney, you have two minutes. Good evening, Land League uh, members and to the broader audience. I am Lynette Gibson McElhaney, and it is a privilege to serve this community as the District 3 representative, representing downtown Jack London, uptown Adams Point, the lake, one of the most eclectic and diverse communities in our nation and one that it really um, benefits from and struggles with what it means to be a culturally and ethnically diverse collection of neighborhoods. Prior to being elected to the council in 2012, I spent two decades in affordable housing, counseling, and development. I have led efforts to save people's homes and build community, mixed-income communities in some of the most distressed neighborhoods in the East Bay, that being in South Richmond. And I've taken on this role in particular to bring my skills and expertise and experience to how do we weave together our neighborhoods ethnically, diversity? How do we make sure that we address the core issues that compromise our ability to live holistically in this town? So in 2012, I made a pledge that we would go to work to expand an economy that would serve all and create jobs, to make our city more safe, to actually get at the business of improving the quality of life for every resident. My vision is that District 3 should be the place where we would love to raise our children and we would not mind growing old. Since being elected onto the council, I was elected by my peers to be president of the city council, becoming the first District 3 resident and African-American woman to hold this prestigious and important post. Over the last three years, I am pleased to have worked with coalitions of groups that range from community-led organizations, grassroots organizations, and faith-based leaders to expand and establish the Affordable Housing Trust and strengthen tenant protections. I stimulated a multi-million dollar investment to restore the historic Defermery Park, leading to the most um, significant investments in that critical place in over 20 years. I preserved Measure Z, a $30 million public safety measure that invests in community-based policing and violence prevention, and I'm looking forward to continuing this good work in the days ahead. Thank you. Okay, now it's time for the candidates to answer questions. Our first question for the evening, the session. How will you improve the dialogue in Oakland on difficult issues? You have one, one and a half minutes. Well, 
We know that a critical complication that has arisen in our represent, representation in city council in particular in the last five to 10 years is the difficulty of having a conversation with our representatives. It has become a very severe bottleneck where unless you are a special interest group or a moneyed person or a group that has diverted lots of time and energy and resources to forcing your way through the, the doors of city hall, you are not heard. My top platform intention for district three is to pilot neighborhood assemblies where neighborhoods, according to precinct, come together and set their own course and inform City Hall of what their needs are. The whole point is to foster community access to governance as opposed to set our community up so they have to force their ways through the, the way through the door and are barely heard. Thank you. Thank you. Ms. McElhaney, how will you improve the dialogue in Oakland on difficult issues? Every issue in District 3 is a difficult issue. <laughs> I've really been pleased that my my experience in being a nonprofit executive has taught me that residents are first among equals, but you have to bring to the table financiers, bankers, business owners, uh, small business owners, nonprofit groups, and other stakeholders. So what we've done is we always elevate the conversation so that we look at principles as opposed to the things that divide us. We look for commonality. We make sure that the administration slows down long enough to address the issues of the community. We did that at Jack London Square where there was applications to convert office into residential and wanted to take the residential to high rise. My office led the effort to do deep community engagement with the residents, neighbors, and business owners in Jack London, had the architects come out and do charrettes. A similar thing happened with St. Andrew's Plaza where, you know, we had new residents and existing residents who were concerned about what they felt as a containment zone of allowing poor people to live in unsanitary conditions in an Oakland public park. So we engage street outreach workers, nonprofits, faith leaders, residents of every aspect, the seniors in that community, and we held numerous community sessions that were well facilitated. Good conversations where you can minimize distrust and elevate the commonality has produced really good results in Jack London, in our uptown, in our downtown in West Oakland, and we have to continue to do that work. Thank you. Um, this question will start with you, Ms. McElhaney. What would you propose to improve housing availability and affordability in Oakland? Housing economics really drives a lot of people crazy, so I appreciate the question of both affordability and availability. In the region, we've added almost half a million units, I mean, a half a million jobs and fewer than 50,000 units of housing, and that increases a lot of pressure on our existing neighborhoods. We've seen it in East Palo Alto and San Francisco and Berkeley, and Oakland is beginning to feel the pressure of the regional growth, whether it's getting pushed in from San Leandro on the south or displacement from people who are looking for greater affordability from Berkeley, which was the first push of so-called gentrification into Oakland and North Oakland, or what we're now seeing as a second wave from San Francisco. So, our communities have to do all that we can to remove the red tape so that we allow for increased building and construction, construction not only of subsidized units called affordable housing, but naturally affordable units. So we're having opportunities for professionals to live here and choose to make this their home without the long commute. So it's a combination of making sure that we create space for subsidized units, um, and that means raising money to make those units subsidized. It means incentivizing the construction of middle-class housing units, 
and also allowing for market rate and, and prestige units so that those families who can afford more won't put that kind of pressure on existing neighborhoods or older housing stock. So we have to balance it all, and we continue to do amazing work. Um, and we look to the state to, to restore a type of redevelopment so that we can incentivize the workforce units and low-income subsidized units that we need. Thank you. This session, what would you propose to improve housing availability and affordability in Oakland? The last thing I would do is remove red tape. We know that the removal of red tape, the removal of barriers to large-scale developers, has been one of the exacerbating factors in our housing crisis in Oakland right now. The thing we need to do, number one, is cease auctioning off public land to private developers for market-rate housing. Um, We need to use that land to create permanently affordable housing, as well any other um, housing that doesn't fall into that range of affordability because there needs to be a wide range of affordability. Those who are at 30000 there is a one type of affordability. Those who are at 80000 is another type of affordability, right? In addition to that, any new housing that is not strictly in the affordable range, that needs to be mixed economic housing. Luxury housing, destination housing is not going to increase availability, nor is it going to level the rental playing field. So we need to confront this definition of affordable housing and bring it into range with actual Oaklander salaries. Thank you. Next question, we'll start with you, Ms. Session. What is your position on the upcoming Oakland Police Commission ballot measure and why? I am very happy that we are making steps toward um, policing that serves the entire community, and I avidly support Measure LL. I do believe that it is only the beginning to moving towards a clear and committed community policing model. That does not mean diverting more city funds to more policing that stand for an, a repressive state um, that, let's move that on. So one of the ways to do that is to enhance local recruitment. And we know right now local recruitment is constrained by certain discriminatory policies such as driving record and credit record. Those are akin to redlining. They're classist and they're racist. Another um, policy that needs to be implemented is incentivizing local residency for officers. It's done in many states in the U.S. It's very successful. Thank you. Ms. McElhaney, what is your position on the upcoming Oakland Police Commission ballot measure and why? So we talk about difficult conversations. Um, One of the things that I've been really focused on over the last four years is how do we actually get to improved public safety and and in operations within the police department that we can be proud of. So that increases accountability, transparency, and performance. Measure LL, which I'm pleased that I've co-authored, is one of those components. It increases accountability for officers. It allows for a much more public process inclusiveness in terms of selection of the police chief, and it permits us to have greater discretion from where we are now with today's Citizen Police Review Board to a commission that will actually have access to personnel records. So this is an important next step for us. But in addition to that, the work that we've continued to do to improve and enhance the performance of the department, to improve training, recruitment, retention, because we actually attrit more officers than we actually hire every year, there are a number of steps that we have to get to. But what I did learn in the, in the Measure Z debates 
is about 50% of our citizens want and demand more police, and they really believe that the city is under-policed. And we've got half of the community, just about half, just under half, that doesn't trust the police. And so it's in this place where we have to reconcile how do we make our police performance one that all of our citizens can trust and rely on. But I will tell you, even among those communities, mostly in deep West Oakland, where there's a lack of trust for policing, there's a high demand for high-quality policing, and that's the work that we have to continue to do. Thank you. This time we'll start with you, Ms. McElhaney. What's your position on the Oakland sugar-sweetened beverage tax or the soda tax? I was part of um, happy that the, the council in Oakland unanimously placed this before the voters to decide. And where we have seen these um, taxes, it has helped actually health outcomes for our communities. We know that the the beverage industry, as well as um, other cheap sources of food, have begun to proliferate over the last, I can't say begun, but they proliferate in low-income communities and that drives poor health outcomes. So part of what we're doing to improve health outcomes has to be getting the resources into City Hall that we can then fully fund our parks and recreation, public education, and other activities. In District 3, we've had a robust and growing system with our uh, Farm Fresh programs. We now have opened up our a, a beautiful farm park in West Oakland to help bring more fresh foods and vegetables into the community. So it's education, it's access, it's resources, and I fully support um, measure. Thank you. This session, what is your position on the Oakland sugar-sweetened beverage or soda tax? Um, I'm happy that there is a recognition that it is sugar, in particular high fructose corn syrup, that creates really adverse outcomes. It affects brain functioning and general life potential. Um, I also recognize that it is, although I support it, I recognize that it's one of many regressive taxes where this kind of pumping of poisons into underrepresented communities, the cost of uh, disincentivizing that gets passed on to regular citizens. I think that we have to continue to disincentivize, but by um, pressing against the manufacturers and the people who sell these goods. So I'm glad that the council person recognizes that we need more fresh food in our communities and that we need more programs that um, prioritize our community members for healthy engagement. As well, I'm really happy that she recognizes that there's been a disconnect between City Hall and our departments that have traditionally served our youth, like departments of, of recreation, right, which needs to be reconnected. And if we, we speak on the, the anti-violence platform, the important part of that is to serve the children who also engage in intercommunal violence by doing more than having our agencies work in silos and competing for funding, but rather um, synthesizing funding so that our children are fully served both during the year and during the summer, as well as with job training and outdoor recreation. Thank you. Ms. Session. Do you feel that the city of Oakland can assist the Oakland Unified School District in improving Oakland, Oakland's public schools? If so, how and why? I think that um, the city of Oakland can assist the Oakland public schools in one particular fashion. It's a similar fashion to assisting our communities in getting um, a form of policing 
that will protect us all and represent us all. And that's incentivizing and attracting well-trained and well-compensated teachers to our district. There are lots of ways to find this funding. We can go to the port. We can ask the port to budget for what it actually owes Oakland. We know that yearly in the, the port budget, Oakland is something like sixth on the list, and they don't budget for what they owe us. There are a lot of ways to do that. In particular, you can incentivize by assisting teachers with housing and subsidizing that. That's the similar way that you attract officers. You can deal with their training, right? So we have many universities that are not necessarily working in alignment with the city of Oakland or Oakland Public Schools to to create well-trained teachers. So we need to deal with retention, and retention is about their ability to live in the city, and their ability to live in the city is about housing and compensation. Thank you. Ms. McElhaney, do you feel that the city of Oakland can assist the Oakland Unified School District in improving Oakland's public schools? Why and how? I'm really delighted to address this issue of uh, collective responsibility for our citizens that are attending public school. And I'm pleased of the work that this council has done to restore good relationships with OUSD. As president of the council, I restored the city's partnership committee, which is four members of the Oakland Unified School Board meeting regularly with the city council members so that we can jointly use public spaces, that we can talk about commonalities around public safety. We have to make sure that the neighborhoods around our schools are safe, and that's the job of the city, and then making sure that there's high-quality education provided within the walls. That's the responsibility of the school district. So we've elevated those conversations. I'm pleased to have partnered with Mayor Shaft and over 50 business leaders to launch the Oakland Promise, which is a cradle-to-career strategy to ensure that every child in Oakland graduates high school ready for college and career, not only that they'll be first-generation college students, but that they will actually complete school. Measure Z was really critically important to address the issues of safety for our kids and to make sure that we were looking at safety in a holistic manner and is the reason why it was my number one priority in 2014 and really delighted that the voters um, gave us over 70% approval of that. In my budget, uh, the president's budget, which got adopted by the council, we actually took on truancy as a public health and social crisis as opposed to a criminal crisis. We put up half the money to hire social workers who are now helping families get to school so that we can reduce truancy, which we know is a high indicator for violence in later years. So there are many ways that we can continue to partner and really delighted that we put these in place. Thank you. Ms. McElhaney. What is your position on the increase of fees for waste management in the city? So the city adopted uh, several years ago um, a climate action plan that really envisioned that Oakland would be part of the leadership core in the nation to reduce greenhouse gases and to reduce waste, landfill waste. And we did that Um, by establishing certain criteria for the franchise agreement that we have with waste management. And what we did was to improve our air quality by insisting that all trucks that pick up garbage here would be natural gas-powered vehicles. We insisted that we incentivize composting over landfill, and we put a lot of things in place. And because the city of Oakland had not had an increase in its garbage bill in over 10 years, we knew that there would be an increase when the franchise came about. The first indication was that we were looking at 70 to 90% price hikes, and I'm pleased that this council held the line and we only had them go up about 36%. Um, Somebody will have to make sure I'm getting that right and we correct it. 
So the fees have increased, but the performance of our air quality, our landfill, our creeks and streams has also improved, and it's been consistent with our our climate action goals so that Oakland is a green city, a safe city. And I'm really delighted that in the franchise agreement, we also created opportunities for hard-to-employ youth in the partnership with Civicor, and we retained a local business with California Waste Solutions as headquartered in West Oakland, preserving hundreds of jobs for Oakland families. Seventy percent of them live here. Thank you. This session, what is your position on the increase of fees for waste management in the city? I think reaching our environmental goals is critically important. And if that means increasing fees, I think it's important in the sense that it draws attention to the necessity of the project. Often many of us as citizens don't notice the processes the city is going through unless we feel the impact of it directly. Um, What I do think is unfortunate about the increase in fees is the backdoor work that went on and the lack of background research. So we know as this project was implemented, um, the the contract for um, the organization in West Oakland, they weren't ready to hold that capacity. And I think that's emblematic of some of the work that's going on in city council right now, where there's not a lot of long, detailed thought. They're often accepting some of these proposals and these bids wholesale without really opening it up to other input, without sharing as extensively as it could be with the wider community. So I subscribe to the fee increases. I think it's critically important for meeting our environmental goals, but I also think the processes need more examination. Thank you. Ms. McElhaney. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, Noni, Ms. Session, you're, you're first this time. How would you address homeless encampments within the city of Oakland? Yes, indeed. Our homeless encampments, as many of you know, are, are, are a major indicator of the public health crisis that Oakland is now um, involved in. We know that there's a wide range of problems um, that have to be confronted with our homeless encampments. We know that we're getting the economic refugees from San Francisco. We know that we're getting transplants from middle America. But we also know is that many of those Oaklanders are people who get up and go to work every day and come home each evening to sleep in their vehicles because we're not providing for their needs. There are a lot of Oaklanders, and in particular, Susan Harmon and Nancy Nadell, who have worked out very detailed plans for permanently rehousing our homeless citizens. Many cities take the policy that housing first is necessary to solve many of these problems. People cannot stabilize. People cannot get off of dependence of the municipality until they have the conditions that allow them to heal from mental illness, from being out of the job market, and any other problems that have them living on the street. Housing first is the critical element. Now, some of those proposals that's been waiting to use this 190000 which I think now the council person has now channeled into a program called Compassionate Communities, which is in relationship to a larger nationwide project that's still waiting for Oakland to um, ratify its resolutions, Oakland City Council. But there is a pot of money that could, could um, fuel a project such as Tiny Home Tracks, Right where people are permanently rehoused and then later could be used for a micro-lending scheme to create community ownership. Thank you. Now, Ms. McElhaney, how would you address homeless encampments in the city? There are a few things more heartbreaking than than homelessness. And I've shared with the public before, um, my eldest son is homeless. 
um, and suffers from schizophrenia, finally diagnosed after four years. And so this is a painful thing that I know all too well. For the last three years, we've worked with the administration to really look at how do we leverage Oakland's scarce public resources um, so that we can actually begin to address the needs of the 1,900 people who live on our streets and call Oakland home. Contrary to the rumors, most, the vast majority of those people are not refugees from other communities. They're from here. And they do suffer from many of the maladies that we've talked about. Many are coming home. They've been formerly incarcerated. They suffer with mental distress or disease like my son, unable to be housed or unwilling because of the paranoia that they suffer. Um, and so we have to really look at it. I'm really delighted that Oakland has become one of the communities in the nation that is looked to as a model. We are a housing first community in partnership with the county. And it's been in deep partnership with County Supervisor Keith Carson that we've been finally able to look at a services in place model that I called compassionate care communities. The compassionate communities model is a pilot right now so that we can see how do we realign municipal services so that we are actually serving people as opposed to looking at them as a problem to be solved. And this is involving the housed residents and being part of the solution. I'm really delighted that we're getting this off the ground but we know that we have a lot more groundwork to get to. This is 35 families out of a need of 1,900. Thank you. Um, looking at the clock, this will be our last question. Ms. McElhaney, you will indeed start this time. What would you do to improve the condition and maintenance of our city's parks? Thank you. Most people who have been following city politics for some time know that we have been really struggling with how do we backfill the loss of revenue from the redevelopment agencies that funded much of our park maintenance work. That's why it, I'm very pleased that my colleagues and I led the effort to impose impact fees on new development so that a portion of that goes into our infrastructure. The mayor and the administration has before the voters now uh, measure KK, which is an infrastructure bond that will also give us some additional resources for maintenance. One of the mistakes in California politics has been that we love to fund new buildings, but we don't provide for maintenance in our budgets. But I'm happy to, to say that in the last two budget cycles, both of which I've led, bringing together a coalition of council members and building it has increased the amount that we put into parks and recreation, into maintenance. And we've also grown the core of volunteers that are taking care of our friends of have grown significantly in the past three years, particularly in District 3, where we have cultivated the neighbors, given them keys and access to our parks, and we continue to grow that core of volunteerism, which is just um, the city couldn't live without it. And as we move forward, we hope that we pass the measures that will continue to give us the additional resources um, that have since been missing since redevelopment. Thank you, Ms. Session. What would you do to improve the condition and maintenance of our city's parks? I definitely agree with the council person that the upcoming infrastructure bond will be critical to improving the conditions of our park. In terms of maintenance, what's going to be critically important is having ongoing funds that are specifically earmarked for maintenance, as well as community participation, which I think is critically important. Civic education is what is going to change the direction of our city right now. Um, but if you don't know this, District 3 and District 7 receive the lowest impact fees of all the districts. And you can see that in the condition of the infrastructure um, between the districts, right? So if city council fought harder to make sure 
that District 3 was compensated in the way that it deserves. It is the jewel of the Bay Area. Everyone wants to be in District 3 right now. It bears the infrastructural, the social, and the environmental brunt of all of the boom we are experiencing in our city right now. Higher impact fees will make sure that we can maintain our infrastructure, our parks, our streets on a regular basis, and not have to put the burden on taxpayers each time we need to come back from years of neglect. Hopefully there won't be years in between it next time. Thank you. Thank you. We will now move into closing statements, and you each have two minutes, and we'll start with Ms. Meckel. It's been a pleasure to serve the citizens of District 3 and indeed the entire city of Oakland for the last four years, where we have worked diligently to improve our professional reputation. If you imagine, just four years ago, we were like the laughing stock of the region. We didn't show up at regional meetings and we were not taken seriously. But in just this four years, our council meetings are more professionally run, our camaraderie is more together. We have instituted the things that make Oakland a high-performance, multi-billion-dollar municipal corporation. I am pleased that my efforts have really sought to improve the quality of life, both in terms of improving illegal dumping, turning that into a crime for which there is punishment, dealing with and addressing our quality of life issues from graffiti to improving the way in which citizens participate in our budgeting process. We've strengthened that. We've made sure that our appointees are on every one of our bodies and that we're continuing to do that good work. I am pleased to have been endorsed by the Alameda County Democratic Party, the Sierra Club, uh, the Stonewall Democratic Club, uh, firefighters and laborers, where you can see a cross-section of support for my leadership because I'm a bridge builder. I believe in leading with humility and love and grace and pulling people together. The work before us is really hard. It's not easy. And the systems of injustice that have ravaged our community have been long entrenched. But I believe we've made good headway in just these last four years. I would ask that the voters continue to give me the opportunity to strengthen our ties, whether that's on the Youth Ventures JPA, where we've raised money from private industry to actually help our students thrive, um, or serving on the East Bay EDA where our small businesses and large corporations are stepping in to pay for internships for first-generation college students or support the work in our local schools. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to serve. Thank you. Ms. Session, your two-minute closing statement. I really appreciate the work that the councilperson has done to bring us into a state of regional respect, as she um, refers to. I would ask the question as a member of the community, which I seek to represent, respect for whom? City Council has taken us far and fast, um, yet in the process, we have had to sacrifice one of our core, some of our core principles. That is justice and authentic progressivism. What we need at this point on City Council is someone who has a broad vision, someone who can incorporate a vision for the community with the current vision for prosperity. Those things can happen in the same space. But in order for them to happen, they have to include the community. They cannot be limited to special interest groups, cronies, or capitulation politics. Each day that I show up at City Council as your District 3 representative, you can expect 
unequivocating, and fierce representation. You can expect ethical work. You can expect transparency. And you can expect a community that will be included in our larger development model. We do not need to simply accept developers' numbers wholeheartedly, part without questioning those numbers. We can do small community development that includes supporting small and cooperative businesses so we have an economy that remains stable when the national economy dips, when tech money leaves our city as it happens in 15 to 20 year cycles. We have to include everyone in this version of prosperity or it does not count as prosperity. Thank you. Thank you. Mm-hmm. On behalf of the League of Women Voters of Oakland, I want to thank the candidates running for this office and for their particip- participation this evening. I also want to thank the audience for coming to meet the candidates and posing thoughtful questions. For further information about upcoming forums, the candidates, and the ballot measures, please visit the League's award-winning and easy-to-use website, lwvoakland.org or votersedge.org backslash CA. There you will find information about candidates and ballot measures and links to other sources of information about the upcoming election. Members of the League of Women Voters do the hands-on work to safeguard democracy. While we never endorse a candidate, we are directly involved in shaping important issues to keep our community strong. If you would like to be involved with the men and women helping make our democracy work, it's easy to join the League. We encourage you to visit our website, Visit us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Look for the League's Oakland Easy Voter Guide inserted in an upcoming October issue of the East Bay Express. The deadline to register to vote is October 24th. If you have moved or changed your name or wish to change your party affiliation since you last registered, you will also need to re-register by by October 24th. Online voter registration is available at the Secretary of State's website, sos.ca.gov, and we have voter registration forms available right here tonight outside. Please stop by our table on your way out for forms and other information. Remember to vote by mail or at the polls Tuesday, November 8th. Encourage your family, friends, and neighbors to vote. Thank you.